Hi, uh, welcome to the show. How about you introduce yourself? Hey, I'm uh, Jonathan Brodsky. I'm the programmer and game designer at Lucky Frame. Okay, and, and what kind of games does Lucky Frame make? So, so far we've actually only made one game. Um, our focus is on uh, games that can be used for musical creativity and games that are so music and in, musical instruments. Okay. And, and what platform do you usually target? Or what have you targeted with this game? Um, so the game that we made, we, we did on iOS. Um, in the past, we've, we've done um, musical instruments for PC, as well as sort of like installation art. So, um, and, um, you know, why'd you... Well, uh, for the audience out there, can you explain what the name of the game and what the game is? Sure. So the game that we made is uh, called Pugs Love Beats, and the object in the game is to help these alien space pugs harvest musical beat roots and uh, use those musical beat roots to sort of rebuild their galaxy and, and find all the things that they've lost. And as you harvest the musical beat roots and send the pugs around their little planets and explore their planets, you're actually writing different songs. Okay, and and these songs are they? Do they allow the the player to actually be expressive, or is it just pretty much fulfilling, say, a puzzle? Um, yeah, so that that was kind of the the plan with the thing was to create something which is an expressive musical instrument that the player can play. So we we put a few uh, systems in place so that that it's not like smashing your hand on a piano. Um, Everything kind of sounds good, uh, but but we do give the player as much control as possible. And um, and so your game was nominated for some kind of award. Is that yeah, we um, we got nominated for uh, I think it was called Audio Excellence at okay. the IGF. Um, that was a pretty big surprise for us. I uh, I personally wanted any game at all to be able to submit to the IGF. I had done sort of small games for game jams in the past, but nothing of, of the scope and magnitude that would warrant an IGF nomination. And uh, yeah, that was, that was really great. Yeah. Um, so when you were designing this game, uh, what, I mean, you know, what inspired you to do that for kind of a music game versus say something that's more like an RPG, maybe like people starting their own band or something else like that? Right. Um, yeah, so this is actually kind of a long, long ongoing process. It started with a prototype uh, that I made about two years ago, maybe even more, two and a half at this point, okay. um, which was a, a drum machine, which um, as you created the sort of drum beats, it, it created a, uh, a top-down scrolling shooter. So um, it was both a, a musical compositional tool and a level editor for a game. So we thought that that was a really interesting idea, um, something that would give players uh, musical creativity um, and, and also allow them to make games simultaneously. Um, I think that that's really important for us is rather than... Um, like you said, an RPG where you'd 
maybe get the feeling of uh, of the the professional or the or the um, kind of uh, growth as a musician you'd actually have those feelings of creating music and that's what we're that's what we're trying to go for um well could you have combined the rpg with actually you know parts of the rpg where you're actually creating music you know i think what's cool about the ios and these touch interfaces is that these devices can literally be like instruments you know you can get the same kind of feedback and stuff like that um yeah so, so how would that i mean would that have been more accessible I mean, because when I think about these audio games, I think about, for example, um, frequency and amplitude, right? Those mm-hmm. were those were games that, you know, people, you know, it it had its following, but then it was like Guitar Hero that really blew up, right? Like it's just taking those concepts, even similar concepts, but just applying it in a way that was, you know, accessible or meaningful to more people. Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, definitely, Guitar Hero did something really special. Um, I'd argue that that one of the things that uh, that Guitar Hero does is puts you in the shoes of a hero or someone you want to emulate, but it doesn't um, give you the opportunity to find your own voice. You're using someone else's voice and someone else's experience. Um, although I do agree with you that that. Uh, that sort of progression and and the build and and um, and the more standard RPG elements are something that Guitar Hero does really well. Yeah, uh, yeah. When when you say find your own voice, is it Guitar Hero doesn't do that because you're pretty much playing other people's music, right? Is that is that what you mean by that, or was there? Yeah, some- I'd say in fact you're exclusively playing other people's music. Um, I I think that. Like, we're we're going to start seeing a bunch of games coming out soon that that will do something where where there is a a stronger progression within the world and also allow you to create your own music. And that that core is really the important thing for us. Is it's about the player exploring their own creativity and creating something. Well, with with yeah. Guitar Hero, didn't they have like a free form a free form mode or an expression mode, or am I misunderstanding something? Uh, maybe I quite truthfully didn't play a ton of Guitar Hero. I, okay. I played some. Um, I, I, I think I played a later version, and maybe I, I think it was like the one with um, which came with the the drum beats and all that other stuff. And maybe yeah, by yeah. that time, they actually had a free form expression. Yeah, I think. I mean, I played. I I played the more recent one that where they added keyboards, and I I might be getting that confused with Rock Band. Um, okay. And that one almost certainly had a. I think once they added the drums, it had a um, uh, a mode where you could just keep on the drums and with a keyboard as well. Um, it, I I think that that there's a huge gulf between sort of a five note plus drum rhythm game yeah. and just going wild on the drums though and and well you know, right now now you know you talk about finding the player's voice uh you know how would, do you feel that your current game does that yeah i think at its best moments um when you're what what we've seen with people that really get into it um they they sort of enter that hypnotic state of creation um and and that's 
been the feedback from players that that kind of fall into the game and and start exploring it as a musical thing. Um, yeah. So from a designer's point of view, what did you have to do to allow players to really develop their own voice? I, I mean, because when I think of like very popular things like American Idol, and I don't know what the um, Europe equivalent is, but I know there's something like that, right? Where you're, mm-hmm. there's like people are just singing, you know, famous songs, and then, you know, they. I guess there's like an audience vote, and then you know some group that says, okay, you guys, you know, you've got talent or you don't, and blah blah blah. But um, when I think of that, I'm like, a lot of that is just people enjoy kind of mimic- mimicking their favorite songs, and so how do you get, um, you know, a, someone who isn't necessarily creative to actually get into the flow of creating stuff and actually enjoy that process. You know, because I think there's definitely a lot of fun from just singing or even playing music that you enjoyed or that you've heard on the radio or something else like that. And the question is, is how do you actually get, say, a normal player to actually enjoy the the process of creation? Yeah, that's I, that's actually a really good question. Um, and I think it's one that we're trying to answer. Uh and is it structured quests, do you feel? Or like, you know, you you kind of talked about how you did have some structure in the game so that, you know, it wasn't just like pounding a piano. Yeah, I think that that, that that's that's kind of it is is you sort of let them into the instrument slowly and you slowly open up new parts of the instrument. I mean this is some something where maybe we overlap a little bit with guitar hero, like the early the early um songs you start with one note and then you go to two notes and so on and so forth and and we do a similar thing with uh the way that the world sort of progress like at first you're limited to only having a certain number of pugs going at once which is essentially parts of the song going at once um and then we we open it up from there um it, yeah it that that point that you make about uh, people finding enjoyment from singing other people's songs. I, I think that there is a, a great amount of space for finding your own voice within other people's music. Um, I think that that uh, yeah, I it's mean, also interesting to create something new, and and there there's a way to find your voice within that as well. Well, you know, that's an interesting point. Maybe is is the best strategy to literally allow, you know, to to actually base it on pre-made or famous music, but then allow people to kind of riff on top of that. And then eventually allow them, you know, to have free-form expression. I don't know. I mean, because really, you know, the thing about free-form expression is for normal artists, they can they can really get into that, right? Like that's that's part of their joy. I think for a lot of, you know, if you talk about mainstream people, it's like how are you going to actually get them to know what to do? Like to understand, like to feel like they're making progress when they have a blank sheet. And I think that's, that's hard for a lot of people, at least for a lot of adults who aren't used to being creative. And, you know, maybe one of the solutions is literally to allow them to create, you know, freeform music on a slideshow of photos that they already have, you know, so, so they have a context that they can apply this music to that's relevant yeah. to them. I mean, I, I think that, I'd argue that um, that creativity is actually pretty well distributed. Um, things like the success of Minecraft show that. Yeah. I, at at its best, I think Minecraft is kind of either an architectural game or a. I mean, it, it's a sandbox, right? But yeah. but people create amazing architecture within that, 
and and to a certain extent there's there's rules within the game that force you to to say build a house or dig a hole in the ground or um or or build something on top of this cool cliff and and uh like that that way of leading you into the creative process it's it's uh something that that's that's worth thinking about um yeah i i, I think that 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 if you can fool people into say placing that first brick or hitting that first note then they'll they'll easily hit the second one and and from there on just go and and build their own thing okay and you know in minecraft though you know, I haven't really played Minecraft. I think I played it a little. Um, but uh, are I mean, is is the majority, or are the majority of people actually creating stuff in there, or are they just exploring? Yeah, you know? I, I think I, I I don't know. Um, okay. In my own experience, the the creative process was really really important, um, and and I I think that people who who don't have that sort of pickup and play with Legos or oh yeah okay whatever whatever it is it, it may it may not click with them but there are there are plenty of people that just need to be given a tool um, and and they'll they'll go wild I, I think that to some extent what we're trying to do with the games is is make that kind of Lego version of a musical instrument so uh, and then, obviously, with a game element to draw you into the Lego as well. Yeah. Um, and you know what's interesting is that you're actually using this game almost like... So it's got a dual purpose of both an instrument and, and a game progression. I mean, is that is that kind of the design space that you're... That's how you view the design space? or I mean, so did yeah. you do two different kind of um, purposes blended into one, or is it... Yeah, it's that's actually a really hard problem. Yeah, um, and that's that's, that, that's exactly how I how we address the address the problem is on on one hand you have this instrument and then on the other hand you have a game. And I I think re- really recently I've started to think about it as um, an, an antagonistic instrument. So for example, um, uh, I, I just came across this on a prototype that I was building building recently where you could um, build these kinds of trees but then animals would attack parts of your tree so as you built the tree it created music and then as the animals attacked it it sort of ripped apart your music so you were constantly being forced into creating new types of music so uh, a real world analog of that would be a guitar where um, not if maybe if you played the wrong notes it would shock you or or uh or if you started playing too fast then then the guitar would would reduce the amount of notes that it produced or something along these lines um so that that may be a a kind of other way to think about the design of of these sort of instrumental games or, or games as instruments and do you feel that that is the best strategy of games as instruments um or, or is there another approach? No, there, there's, ton, there's tons of approaches. Um, some that are really curious to me right now are um, 
There's one called Proteus that you may have heard of. It was in the IGF as well. And and that one's just an open-world exploration game. But as you explore your actions within, not your actions, just your location within the world, I suppose, changes the way that, that it sounds. And and I think a lot of people would would not call that game an instrument necessarily. It's, it's obviously uh, a, a bit of a stretch, but... Um, I, I think within, like within the context of of modern music, it, it definitely is an instrument. Um, another approach that that uh, a game called Fract OSC is taking is sort of um, taking things that are recognizable as instruments and giving you problems to solve with them. So the instruments have dual purposes; they both exist okay. within the. the musical context that you expect them to but they also exist within this world that has certain rules that you need to find the logic within and um i i think that those are both really interesting approaches that there's definitely a lot of approaches to this problem and and um it's an interesting space for sure and what about stuff like smule and some of these other things where it's just i think you know these instruments these kind of digital instruments do you feel that you even have anything really in common with those or they're just a, kind of in a different design space altogether? Yeah, I actually think that some of the Smule stuff is really, really doing amazing things. Um, I, I mean, obviously they're, they draw from real world things like, like yeah. the uh, leaf trombone is a slide whistle, which is like a, a instrument for kids. And the the ocarina is an ocarina, which is again kind of an instrument for kids. Uh, it's like a th- you know like a three button flute or whatever. Um, and and they're also doing really interesting things with multiplayer games, um, which is which is an obvious way to take music games. Yeah, and that's that's what I was going to ask you is um, yeah. you know one of the huge things about music is the collaborative aspect of it potentially. And is is that something that you're also exploring? Yeah, I, I mean, it's actually it's in our existing game. You can you can go into your friends' worlds and sort of solo on top of them. But it's something that was kind of uh, hasn't been um, linked into our into by our audience for whatever reason, and I'm not sure why. Um, I, I think that like the approach that Esmule is taking is really interesting. Uh, with their, I don't know which game it is that does this. I think it's Leaf Trombone, but you can listen to and judge other people's performances. So that that kind of um, audience, like bringing the audience into the game, is really really interesting and and um, something that that I definitely like to explore at some point in the future. Okay, and you know why do you think that people aren't visiting other people's things is, is this more of an asynchronous thing is this does this happen kind of like after someone has created their own world or is this supposed to be real time or, or what do you think yeah okay. i i think i it is an asynchronous thing um yeah. i i think what what it comes down to is it's just more fun to write your own music with this instrument than to listen to other people's music gotcha. um and that i think that's the whole of it um so, I I think that that Esmule kind of forces you to listen to other people's music. Like 
right? There's a giant button on the home screen that's listen to the world or whatever yeah. on Ocarina and the same with Leaf Trombone. So um, that's pr- probably just an interface issue of, of popping you into that and, global perspective. And are you exploring then other ways to get the multiplayer to to click or, or is that even something that you feel is important? Uh, yeah, I think we we will at some point. Um, Pugs Love Beats is um, we're probably we're moving on from that and doing okay. new things from the ground up. Um, we have a few ideas uh, in, that, in that kind of space, um, more around the the sort of rather than a, a performer audience. Um, we have some ideas around like call response, um, which is kind of like a, a standard music structure i think and what what do you hope um is the goal or what do you hope to achieve with these types of kind of game slash musical instruments um i think that uh there's a few purposes um we want to create um things that we enjoy playing um we were um we sort of want to expand the palette and and the ideas around music games beyond rhythm and um, and uh, you know p- playing things that are recognizable and um, we're we're looking for ways to give uh, players a creative voice. Um, I, I think that there's actually there might be an even another answer to this question is that like. All of us are comfortable with NES controllers. Like one of my earliest memories is an NES controller, sure. and and the up until I was like eighteen or nineteen, everything that I did with an NES controller was consumption focused. It was it was sort of like exploring a story or performing uh, actions to to move along some graphics, and and. Um, it seems like a shame that I have all this technical aptitude with uh, an interface, but I can't create anything with it. And and that is another thing that we're we're kind of looking at, and something that drives us. Okay, and you know when you're designing and prototyping these types of um you know new times new types of like you know music and gameplay experiences, what's the what's the process? Um, for your team? Um, it depends. So uh, Pugs Love Beats, um, there was just a, uh, a bunch of ideas flying around. And uh, like I said, I, I done game jams. So I just essentially jammed them out real quick. And, um, and I think we went through five or six that, that weren't that great. Um, a lot of them were taking existing game designs and just sort of trying to find the instrument within them. And then when we landed on Pugs Love Beats, that's actually um, sort of kind of a port of an instrument that I had built to play in a band uh, several years prior. Um, and then we, we figured out a game that would exist on top of it. We're actually doing the opposite direction for the current one. Um, we've, uh, I had done a game for Ludum Dare 
a while back that was sort of a literal take on tower defense. Like you literally have a tower that you have to defend. And um, it struck me that, that the kind of pace and, uh, and structure itself of the tower uh, would map pretty well to a musical instrument. And, and uh, so I, I, took that and rebuilt it with that in mind. And it actually turned out to be kind of a nice instrument to play. So on one hand, we, we came from the instrument perspective. On the other hand, we came from the game perspective and, and we're sort of figuring out really the, the way to make these music games quite truthfully. Um, I mean, at a base level, it's just rapid prototyping. We, we just make a ton of games and throw uh, an amazing number away, a really depressing number of prototypes we just throw away. So yeah. that's it. And um, are you going to still target iOS? Or are you going to try to go on Android? Or what's what's the strategy there? Um, yeah, Android is extremely unlikely. Um, we're a small company, and, and uh, unless we find some other middleware, we're, we probably won't go that direction. Okay. Um, that said, we are looking to switch off of um, our existing engine that I wrote uh, onto some middleware, and then maybe we'd end up on Android. I think that that platform agnosticism is nice, but if we were going to switch off of iOS, we'd probably switch to a platform that has wildly different control inputs. Say, for example, PC or uh, yeah. PlayStation Move or Connect or something like that. Um, because iOS is is uh, it's a nice marketplace, I suppose, and, and uh, yeah. yeah. And and do you feel that your studio is going to primarily focus then on music types of games, or are you going to also branch off into other genres? Or yeah, um, that's a good question. Uh, we may make other games that are not music games. Um, the the company was definitely founded on the back of music, and that's where all of our other work lies. So, um, like we have, uh, currently a, a physical musical instrument called a, a sty harp that's on, on this tour called one pig, um, by Matthew Herbert. And it's like a musical instrument that you pull by, or you play by pulling on these uh, strings. So like, that's the other half of our work, so I suspect that we'll we'll stay within the music genre just because it's what we understand. Okay. Um, we do make a ton of other games, though, so we may have some one-button multiplayer racing games or something like that. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, and you know, in terms of the business model for your games. Um, you know, did you decide to charge for your game or did you release it for free and then have in-app purchases? What's, what's the strategy there? Yeah, we're sort of exploring it. I mean, I think to a great extent, um, the only way to get success on iOS is to release a lot of games. Um, even if you're, even if you're, um, I don't know, not aiming for that that kind of one giant hit that millions yeah. of people download. You still need to create a, a name for yourself and a brand for yourself and and find contacts within the industry. So, um, yeah. So, anyways, uh, 
we're we're a little bit agnostic about that as well. We're exploring our options um, with Pugs Love Beats. Uh, it was we had planned on making something that was uh, slightly above the ninety nine cent hit everyone, but not in the wildly premium category. Okay. Um, and I think it's that's that right way to go um i i think that that um at some point we we may want to move into the more premium niche category and then at the same time move into the super low price category as well um we're, we're still kind of exploring our options there and are most of the people who who purchase the app um do they are, are do they have an ipad or are they getting it on their iphone Ooh, man i should really know that information um I'm not 100% certain. Uh, we we built it for both simultaneously, just because it the yeah. uh, the UI doesn't really it doesn't really make a difference. Um, yeah. And I mean, obviously, we we tweaked it around for both platforms, but it's something that that could have been built for both, so we did. Um, I I think it might be fifty fifty, quite truthfully. Oh, okay, awesome. I'm and- just saying that because I I don't know. Okay. And, and, you know, you were mentioning um, PC games, but, I mean, do you feel that, you know, mobile and these kind of tablet devices are probably the ideal platforms for music types of games? I mean, no, what? okay, Ab- that's, that's absolutely good. not. I, I think, I think that, um, like, uh, yeah, they, it, it offers interesting challenges, um, okay. obviously touch screens are such a new interface and, and they're sort of being, I think they're really being worked out right now. What, what kinds of things work on touch screens? Like if you look at, at a lot of really popular games or games where the, the controls are good, um, you'll find that, that they have really reduced input set. So a lot of, of, um, really great iPhone games that control really well are one button games yeah. or they're games where um, it kind of slows down the input and you, you don't have to manage a lot of things on screen at once. So um, on, on touch devices, the interfaces are definitely something new that's being explored um, on, on a more standard, like uh d-pad plus button devices there's things that work well and there's you know 30 years of research history plus a little bit more before that of things that work well um and and it's a kind of a a more well-explored space Uh, obviously like with with the two the two other ones that i mentioned um use totally standard first person shooter controls and and that's awesome I mean, it, it really solves a lot of problems up front about how you're going to handle things. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a choice, basically, if you want to explore new things or, or, yeah, you're exploring new things either way, but um, explore new things from an interface perspective, for sure. Okay. And aside from your game, what is your favorite audio game? Oh, man. Jeez, um, that's a really good question. Uh, I... Played through, so can, can I give a few answers? Yeah, sure. Okay, great. Uh, Beat Sneak Bandit is my favorite rhythm game. And the reason for that is that you have, there's, 
very little visual cue as to the solution of the puzzles and that it requires you to focus extremely well on rhythmic structures um, and memorize rhythmic structures. So it it's something that that throws you into the deep end in terms of of rhythmic um, structuring. But at the same time, it gives you a ton of choices within that space. Like there's no one solution to playing the rhythm back properly. So yeah, Beat Sneak Bandit is by far my favorite rhythm game. In terms of um, sort of more music compositional games, I think that a lot of it's quite truthfully on the horizon. Um, yeah. I'm really excited for Fract. Proteus is amazing um, as as an experience, um, and and there's a few other ones out there that I think will will really change the way that music games are perceived. Um, I mean, if if people like haven't played Electroplankton, that's the obvious one. Yeah. Um, Electroplankton is really really amazing. Now, you know, um, you know, have you heard of games like Draw Something or Words with Friends? Yeah, yeah, totally. Right, like you know, those are kind of board games. Do you do you feel that there's anything that can be like that for music, where people yeah, are maybe. competing or cooperative? Um, I don't, you know. I, can can it be like a board game experience where people are kind of playing it with their friends in a constructive way? I mean, no one's really done that. What's interesting is that with really in the board game genre, you know, genre, you really couldn't do music stuff because of you know they were board games. But um, you know, they've I don't know if you can apply the board game structure, but then you know have the interactivity that can come along. You know, you know the music that can come along in an interactive space. Yeah, like like these digital things. But I, I mean, is that even something that you feel could be relevant to what you're doing, or is that really just could? I mean, it wouldn't really mesh well with what you're trying to do with the game slash um, musical instrument. I I'm not sure. I'd I'd really like to figure it out. Um, I think that that uh, the main uh, issue is is that board games are turn based. Yeah, and yeah. music has um, an extreme focus on timing. Yeah, um, and and to find the that bridge across those things is a really tough problem. Um, I, yeah, I think you know, I've actually yeah, I saw it solved like two days ago. <laughs> so so um, in uh, roguelikes are uh, essentially a computer version of a board game like they're turn-based um like all the structure is basically around dice rolls um and they have like a single playthrough you play through them in one sitting and then you start from the beginning again so i i was actually spending a lot of time thinking about how to make a roguelike that had really good audio and um this guy smesthorpe uh, who made Vertex Dispenser and so on and so forth, made a roguelike called, I think it's called Zaga 33. Um, and essentially the way that he solved the the audio issue is by putting really long delay lines on everything. So you're, as you play it, you're kind of exploring this this dungeon, but but the audio is creates a really cavernous space as well. And it's really interesting. Um, I think that there's other solutions to the problem as well. Like, um, imagine, so if, if you take something like uh, the basketball game Horse, 
Yeah. Like that's a turn-based game, but within the turns, there's also some amount of timing to it, right? Like throw it off the backboard and then catch it in the air and between the legs. Or do so you just like, have, do you have to try to eliminate timing altogether? I mean, I know that, I mean, maybe it's, it's about pitch. It's about really, you know, I understand what you're saying about timing, but it doesn't have to be super sensitive timing. Maybe it's literally just getting the right sequence. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, what you're saying about be, rhythm. I mean, it could be something else. Maybe you just have to avoid rhythm entirely. I don't, I don't even know if that's doable. I, I, think, I, you could, I think you could do it. Like, um, you could have like counterpoint puzzles where it's like, uh, I mean, a, an easy way, way to do it would be like, you'd have a, a judges gallery, like in uh, leaf trombone. And people would be said like uh, make a, a set of notes that evokes this emotion or something, and that would that would eliminate timing, and and then you'd get judged on who evoked the emotion best with their set of notes, um, and and that might be a way to to sort of uh, slow down the game and make it asynchronous and all this other stuff. Um, yeah, I definitely want to make one of those uh, at some point, and I think it's it's really an interesting. Yeah, I mean, because that would be interesting if if people can get into it as much as they've gotten into like draw something and um, and words with friends, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, have you heard of draw something? I mean, that's kind of recently just taken off. I don't know if that's even big. Yeah, I actually just saw a tweet about it this morning. Um, okay. I haven't played it yet, but but from my looked at it i assumed it was not a pictionary-esque thing but it was some something like like a uh a visual version of charades or pictionary but i'm not yeah. entirely sure but what's interesting is that that game has gotten a ton of people to create content you know they're they're you know i think that the general consensus before that was like you know what in all these games it's really going to be one percent or three percent that are going to really create content and What's cool about Draw Something is, you know, it's everyone who's playing it, which is a lot of people, are right. creating content. Now, granted, it's guided and it's structured and, you know, it's based on a word, but that's still pretty amazing. And, you know, when you talk about music, there is that content creation aspect that you were mentioning. Yeah. And maybe, you know, maybe there's some solution as to how you get a majority of people to actually create, con you know, create music. If if that's one of your design goals. I don't, I don't know if that is... Because I know you were mentioning the emphasis on creativity. Yeah, it, it totally is. Um, and and uh, yeah, whatever we can rip off from Draw Something, I, we probably will. But see, <laughs> but see, maybe then because with Draw Something, they have as they have a word already, right. and maybe in and that the music equivalent of that is literally just having uh, pre-made music or <laughs> pre-made famous music that you're working around or working with i don't know maybe it really takes away from the creation that you're talking about but yeah i, th I mean i i don't know what the uh, i like i don't know why a word would not match music like given a word and a piano i could make a thing that embodies that word yeah. obviously it's well, uh, people don't have the same or, like or so I, much I, so I much of our that. What's words that? are words are well known, right? Well, I right. mean, like words are defined, their vocabulary, and so people then know what to draw. There's no, yeah. there's there's free form, but it's within the context of that word. Yeah. And in the case of music, maybe it literally has to be like, here's the music song you're gonna play. 
I don't know. I mean, it goes back to, to pre-made music, which may be an issue, you know, which may actually curb any kind of potential to be expressive. But maybe, maybe that's what's needed to actually get people to be expressive as they riff on top of the music or something else. But I don't know. It's, it, it's an interesting thought. I, I just thought it was, you know, the, I think one of the challenges that I see with a lot of these audio games where, you know, people are, you know, people are like, oh, well, let's, let's get people into music and stuff like that in games is, you know, how do you actually inspire people to want to create stuff? Sure. You know, how do you actually turn it so that people want to create stuff more than say playing rock band or guitar hero and they're playing their favorite music? So, yeah, no, I, I definitely see that as an issue. Um, and I think to a certain extent, it's the way that music is interpreted. Like, to, to create something, to draw a picture of something, there's obviously like a set of symbols that works. But with music, that, that set of symbols is a, a little bit less obvious and, and there's less, I, I suppose, like um, widespread understanding of those symbols. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I can. Like, yeah. I, as a musician, you know certain things map to certain emotions, but as general public doesn't really have a strong grasp of that and and how to how to sort of give them that that grasp and those tools is a a really interesting problem and i'm i'm not maybe it is taking pieces of existing songs and and find here find the resolution within the song or find the sadness within the song or find the happiness within the song might be an interesting puzzle um or riff on top of this song such that you make it more exuberant, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so um, what's, you know, what suggestions would you have for other developers who are thinking about audio games or music games, you know, in terms of, yeah, um, <laughs> like if they want to design a music or audio game or anything like that? Jeez, oh, I don't, I'm not entirely sure, quite truthfully, um, that, the methods that we used have worked all right for us, but I think there's plenty of other methods out there. It, to a great extent, the the part of the issue is that the problem space is unexplored. It's yeah, it's not like I can say go look at these these specific games. Um, I I think for me, I, I draw a ton of inspiration from strange instruments like that. That's where I look when I when I want to come up with something new i'm like what what would be a weird way to play an instrument or what would be a a a, um, a bizarre way to create a sequence and that that sort of drives me um to create games that around those and i i think that there's a there's a huge amount of of new musical instruments being created and and new ways to create music um well, just even through these tablet devices, right? Like, yeah, through both tablets and and there's a lot of tangible stuff that I don't know how much tangible things are happening anymore. But like, um, uh, yeah, there was a lot of sort of tangible sequencers where you would place objects on a table and they'd create they okay. create sequencers. So one's called Audio Table, and I think that's been ported to iOS since. Um, yeah, there, there's a yeah on iOS there are definitely a ton of weird musical instruments, um, but I think 
sort of larger than that, like um, new digital methods for creating music are, are popping up all the time. Um, and, and that's where I draw a ton of inspiration from. Okay. And where can listeners um, find out more information about the game, potentially play it? Um, our website is luckyframe.co.uk, and you can uh, go there to find uh, the links to Pugs Love Beats, just because Pugs Love Beats is spelled kind of strangely. Sure. Um, but yeah, Lucky Frame is spelled exactly how you imagine those two words to be spelled. So that's it. Great. Uh, thanks again for your time. Take care. Yeah, thank you so much. Bye.